Chapter number 13 of Life of Luther. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Shashank Jakmola. Life of Luther by Gustav A. Just. The Fanatics and the Peasants' War. 1. Disturbances at Wittenberg. The sound of the glorious gospel had gone out through all the lands. Satan indeed had tried to suppress it in every way, by help of Pope, Emperor and learned men, but it had spread only the more. Then the devil chose another means to suppress the truth by creating schisms and offences in Luther's own congregation. During Luther's absence the Augustinian monks at Wittenberg had abolished the papal mass and again introduced the right manner of celebrating Holy Communion. But Dr. Karlstad was not satisfied, and, besides, the Reformation progressed too slowly for him. He therefore instigated the students to break into the church where the priests were reading mass and drive them and the people out in the most brutal and violent manner. During the Christmas, holidays, they threw the images out of the church and burned them. Then they demolished the altars and crucifixes, abolished the candles, liturgy and ceremonies, and even rejected the use of chalice and paten. Without preparation or announcement, they went to Holy Communion, and took the wafers with their own hands. All this they did from sheer presumption, without previously instructing the people, nor caring whether the weak were offended. Moreover, certain fanatics from Zwickau came to Wittenberg who boasted that an audible voice of God had called them to preach and that they held intimate conversation with God and knew the future. They especially raved against infant baptism and declared it to be of no avail. They demanded that everyone baptized in his infancy must be baptized again. For this reason, these fanatics were also called Anabaptists. 2. Luther's Return to Wittenberg Luther at first tried to allay these disturbances by writing, but in vain. Things grew worse. His congregation earnestly entreated him in a letter to come to Wittenberg and check further desolation. He decided to leave immediately and announce this fact to his friends in a letter. Certain of victory, he wrote, I do not doubt that without a thrust of sword or drop of blood we will easily quench these two smoking firebrands. Thus, Luther left the castle which was to shelter him against the ban of the Pope and the interdict of the Emperor, and, contrary to the advice of the Elector, appeared again in the arena. In a letter, he excused himself to the Elector and said, If we would have the word of God, it must needs be that not only Hannah's and Caiaphas rage, but that Judas also appear among the Apostles, and Satan among the sons of God. As to myself, I know that if matters stood at Leipzig as they do at Wittenberg, I would ride into it even though for nine days it rained nothing but Duke George's, and each one were nine times more furious than this one. I go to Wittenberg protected by one higher than the elector. Yes, I would protect your electoral grace more than you can protect me. The sword cannot counsel nor help this cause. God alone must help here without all human care or aid. Therefore, whoever believes most can here afford most protection. 3. Luther's Sermons Against the Fanatics On the 6th of March, 1522, Luther arrived in Wittenberg. 
For eight days in succession, he preached against the prevailing nuisances, opposed the fanaticism of Karlstad powerfully with the word of God, and restored the peace of the church. He told his hearers that they wanted the fruit of faith, which is love, and which patiently bears the weakness of its neighbor, instruct him in meekness, but does not snarl at and insult him. External improvements are very well, but they must be introduced in due order, without tumult or offenses, and not too hastily. Again he says, We must first gain the hearts of the people, which is done by the word of God, by preaching the gospel, and by convincing the people of their errors. In this way, the word of God will gain the heart of one man today, of another tomorrow. For with his word God takes the heart, and then you have gained the man. The evil will die out and cease of itself. Karlstadt now remained quiet for a few years, and the prophets from Jukau had to leave Wittenberg. Before going, they wrote a letter to Luther full of abuse and curses. 4. The Origin of the Peasants' War The Anabaptists now zealously spread the poison of their fanaticism among the people. Karlstad also began again to proclaim his false doctrines. He maintained, infant baptism is wrong, study is superfluous, every Christian is fit to be a pastor, and that Christ's body and blood are not essentially present in the Lord's Supper. At many places such pernicious teachings caused the people to fall away from God's word. The chief spokesman was Thomas Münzer. He attacked Luther violently and boasted of himself. The harvest is ripening. I am hired of heaven for a penny a day, and I am sharpening my sickle for the reaping. He proclaimed a visible kingdom of God and of Christ, the new Jerusalem, where all earthly possessions should be held in common. He also preached rebellions against the government. To check such disorder, Luther himself travelled about and preached to the people, but he was only partially successful. In Orlamuende, the rage of the people against him was so great that he had to flee at once, while some cursed after him, Depart in the name of thousand devils, and you may break your neck before you get out of the city. 5. Luther's Sermon Against the Revolting Peasants the storm soon broke over Germany. In 1525, the flame of rebellion spread through Franconia, along the Rhine, and almost through all the German states. The peasants, a wretched people, everybody's drudge, burdened and overloaded with tasks, taxes, teats and tributes, but on that account by no means more pious, but a wild, treacherous, uncivilized people, had banded together in a so-called Christian Union, and demanded of the government the granting of certain petitions. Some of these were, every congregation is to be permitted to choose its own pastor. Serfdom is to be abolished. Some of them demanded much more. They wanted one government for the whole German Empire and the abolition of the minor princes. Luther declared that many of their demands were just and fair. At the same time, however, he told them how terribly they sinned by rebelling. He said, Bad and unjust government excuses neither revolt nor sedition. Do not make your Christian name a cloak for your impatient, rebellious, and unchristian undertaking. Christians do not fight for themselves with the sword and with guns, but with the cross and with suffering, just as their Captain Christ did not use the sword, but hung upon the cross. 
and with the same severity, Luther also reproved the ungodly tyranny of the princes. 6. The Outcome of the Peasants' War The flood of rebellion could no longer be checked. The peasants marched about, robbing, plundering, sacking, and murdering wherever they came, destroying more than 200 castles and many cloisters. Upon their enemies, they took the most bloody vengeance. In Weinsberg, they impaled and cruelly tortured 700 knights. Now Mienzer thought the time had come for him also. He sent letters in every direction. Thomas Mienzer, servant of God, with the sword of Gideon, calls all good Christians to his banner, that with him they may strike upon the princes like on an anvil, bing, bang, and not allow their swords to cool from blood. Multitudes of the people gathered about him. Then Luther lifted his mighty voice for the last time and advised the government to make the ringleaders a last offer of a peaceable compromise, and if this proved fruitless, to draw the sword. The compromise was offered, but in vain. Thereupon, the princes took up the sword, and the peasants were routed everywhere. The decisive battle was fought at Frankenhausen. Münzer encouraged his men to fight valiantly against the tyrant. He cried, Behold, God gives us a sign that he is on our side. See the rainbow. It announces to us the victory. If one of you falls in the front ranks, he will rise again in the rear and fight anew. I will catch all bullets in my sleeve. The battle began. But when the peasants saw that the slain did not rise and that Thomas Münzer caught no bullets in his sleeve, they lost courage and fled. Five thousand remained on the field and three hundred were made prisoners and beheaded. The braggart Münzer was found in an attic of a house in Frankenhausen where he had hidden under a bed. He was dragged out and taken to Mühlhausen where he was tortured and finally beheaded. End of chapter 13